Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vaga Maradian. This podcast version of our interview is brought to you by L3 Technologies. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vaga Maradian here in Northern Virginia at the Center for Naval Analysis to talk to Sam Bendet, uh, who is part of the Crack Russia team and also with the American Foreign uh, Policy uh, Council. Uh, Sam, you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago uh, about Russia's big May 9 military parade and the new equipment that was supposed to be unveiled there. Uh, it was a, you know, a fantastic event on uh, many levels, and I want to explore it with you. Enormous numbers of representative units from across the Russian military, from you know, naval infantry, Navy guys, all the way to cutting edge uh, systems. A lot of new systems debuted, a lot of land systems, some air systems uh, as well, and I want to go through those with you. And uh, Vladimir Putin presiding over it in front of uh, Lenin's mausoleum, uh, like a Soviet leader of old, or, or maybe like a Soviet leader he wishes he was, uh, even though he claims he doesn't want to be uh, bring back uh, the, the Soviet Union. Talk to us a little bit. You know, we, when we spoke, it was some of the unmanned systems that were going to make their debut, uh, and we certainly saw that. We saw sort of a baby Kamov uh, with, uh, you know, sort of the same rotor and, and tail assembly, but unmanned. Talk to us a little bit about what new we saw, uh, because I was taking notes uh, through through the through the parade. You know, we did see the MiG-31K uh, with the Kinshal right. hypersonic missile. A lot of focus right. on hypersonics now. Uh, we saw the Su-57, uh, obviously fifth-generation airplane flown by a test pilot. It's not operational yet, but something, a capability that Russia has, has wanted. And also we saw a bomber force that is bigger, I think, than many people in their mental model have in there, that there are Tu-95s that are part of it, the bear, uh, obviously, but the blackjack, and also the, the Tu, uh, the, the Tupolev 22, which people don't think about as, as much. Talk to us from your perspective as an expert eye watching this parade. What were the interesting debut capabilities, you know, and, and what, what does that mean for our understanding of what Russia's capabilities are? We were definitely shown a glimpse of what Russia sees as its future military combat, and that's unmanned systems. We were shown Uran-6 demining vehicle and Uran-9 combat vehicle. What's interesting about Uran-9 is that for the first time, Defense Ministry announced that it may have been tested in Syria, something that came as a surprise to many analysts. We were shown Karsar and Kantran unmanned vehicles, Karsar UAV. Um, uh, has a range of about 160 clicks. Uh, Russians won't extend that range. They want to use it for both combat and electronic warfare duties. And a Katran unmanned helicopter, uh, which we saw for the first time. And Russians are actually investing a lot in unmanned helicopters as mission multipliers, especially for the Navy, where unmanned helicopter can replace manned helicopter on the smaller ships that Russia is building in the future. One of the systems that we talked about the last time was Russia's unmanned underwater systems, one of which is, was, was demonstrated off of uh, Syria, uh, which we thought was fascinating. When we talked to you uh, uh, briefly at, uh, at Navy League, you mentioned it, and then we followed up uh, with you here at uh, CNA. Um, so why weren't they displayed? Because one would think that that would be a kind of capability that would be pretty easy to put on the back of a flatbed and drive it right. down the drown, you know, in, in down Red Square. That's a very good question. In fact, I have expected them to show this particular unmanned underwater vehicle. In fact, it looks like a giant yellow torpedo. So uh, it would have made for a good show. Uh, but Russians also said that they're going to show a lot more unmanned capabilities at the 2019 Victory Day Parade, and this was kind of like the first run. Talk to us a little bit about some of the other new ground systems that we saw that were fully manned and uh, and pretty impressive uh, from the standpoint. 
whether it was for new tanks, whether it was for new uh, uh, rocket artillery, uh, something which uh, Russia has always been very, very strong in. Uh, and then we saw some old classics, the 152 uh, self-propelled howitzer, which, was, which is always a crowd pleaser. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the ground systems and what you saw that was new and how it changes and improves Russian military capabilities. Well, Russians showed T-14 Armata main battle tank. Uh, this has been a topic of uh, much discussion in Russia and in the West about the tank's capabilities, about its uh, uh, future capacity to wage successful wars against Western technologies. We also saw Kurganets infantry fighting vehicle and boomerang armored personnel carrier. Uh, Armata, Kurganets, and boomerang are a new suite of systems developed after the fall of Soviet Union. Most of the technologies Russians used up to now are legacy Soviet systems, greatly upgraded, re-engineered. These three, however, are completely new and redeveloped for Russia's future combat. And then also, uh, you know, what I thought was interesting was the, was the Tor M2, which was something that was new uh, as well. This is a long-range strike missile. This is an upgrade on the existing missiles, and it's something that should definitely worry a lot of uh, Western military analysts. Um, and in fact, one of the other, uh, you know, when, uh, because Russia has been uh, always strong on rocketry, as we discussed, and long-range strike, and has been investing even more in that kind of capability. And we saw some of that on the air side uh, as well, right? I mean, the, the Su-57, we know, you know, they say it's a fifth-generation aircraft. It's something that's been in development for some time, and it's not yet operational. But we did see something else that was interesting, which was the MiG-31K with the Kinshal hypersonic missile on it. And that was sort of something that was a little bit eye-opening. Talk to us a little bit about Russian investment in hypersonics. Uh, you know, the Chinese claim that they have a hypersonic uh, weapon as well, although that's not yet uh, declared operational. Uh, they claim it's operational, but analysts dispute that. But talk to us about the kind of capability that gives Russian forces that is something that U.S. forces simply at this point don't have. Well, Russians claim that this particular weapon can penetrate any missile defense or air defense. And certainly from, um, from the specifications, it looks like that may be true. However, building such a system, feeling it in mass, and claiming that it works are two different stories. Uh, this is both an extensive and expensive undertaking. And even though Russia has a couple of working prototypes, fielding them um, and mass would be a very different story and uh, will depend greatly on how the military budget is allocated to such high-tech developments. And uh, that's uh, one of the systems that was displayed in Putin's uh, March uh, speech where he was uh, outlining these capabilities and showing all of these weapons, you know, landing on Things that would, it looked like Florida, right? It looked, like, it looked an awful lot like Florida. It's like sort of the war games where it's like Floridana, you know, and you're like, it looks awful lot like. Well, let's pick a state that no one recognized. <laughs> of course, everybody recognized that it it had Florida outlines, but um, I I, uh, I find uh, things like that. Uh, uh, funny uh, in, in, in some ways because of their clumsiness or the, or the way that they're messaging. Um, one of the other things though, that comes in closely is, you know, when, we, when people think about bombers, there's a tendency to think about the United States and its bomber force right. and not really think about what other countries, what capabilities other countries have. And normally when people, you know, have talked about Russia's bomber, oh, you know, they've got a couple of old bear bombers. But it's, but it's actually not just a couple of old bear bombers. Right. Um, first, the bears have always been kept pretty fresh and current, particularly Correct. from a maritime perspective, but that's a strategic bomber. You've got the blackjack, which is a strategic bomber. And then you also, you know, folks have a tendency of also disregarding the, the TU-22, M3, which, M3, which is right. also a strategic bomb. Talk a little bit about the, the Russian strategic 
strategic bomber forces and, and how they're a lot more capable than people might give them credit for. The perception you mentioned is more psychological because it was the American bomber force that was in use for the past two decades. In wars in the Middle East and other parts of the world, Russians simply haven't used their bomber forces until they got involved in Syria. And uh, the upgraded aircraft that they displayed are actually quite capable. In fact, the Tupolev uh, 22M3 was used in uh, Syrian campaigns along with other older aircraft. So Russians have the capacity to field older systems, which are upgraded and redesigned, and they now have the capacity to start thinking about new bomber force that they need to field to face what they perceive are Western and other high-tech threats. Um, you, uh, we talked a little bit uh, earlier about how you know Putin is not trying to recreate the Soviet Union, but he certainly is trying to bring back elements of the Soviet Union. And so one of the things which I thought was was sort of striking was the you know Derzhinsky division, right? I mean Felix Derzhinsky uh, was uh, you know uh, key in the Great Terror, um, you know giant statue of him in, in front of uh, Lubyanka, uh, obviously as the the founder of the NKVD, uh, and um, you know the statue was taken down, even though it's still called. Dzerzhinsky place, but should what message is being delivered here where even some of the darker figures from Soviet history are being resuscitated and normalized, right? You know, if you, if you have a division named after a guy, uh, and that's a National Guard division, right, a, a home division, but still um, has sort of an ominous tone to it, you know, looking at it from a Soviet historical perspective. Russia spent 1990s and a couple of years in the early 2000s revisioning its history. They uh, took a very hard look at it, what may actually have happened, and a lot of hard truths came out. And these hard truths actually hit the uh, theory of state broadside, meaning um, a lot of uh, Russian government institutions uh, ended up um, looking not so swell after um, all the glorification of the Soviet period of the, of, you know, of the Cold War. And so today, Russians are saying we need to again take a look at the military history, but not from the point of view of criticizing the state, but taking a look at what the state has done, the Soviet state, to face up to its many challenges, no matter the cost. Uh, and this type of uh, discussion is, is politicized because multiple sides look at this particular issue from a variety of angles, and that involves people inside Russia, outside of Russia, people in the former Soviet Union and around the world. But the Russians are saying that the victory in World War II uh, was at a very high cost, but the costs were essentially necessary and completely justifiable. So they're not allowing anyone to criticize what the Soviet state has done for victory and for the country in general. Uh, that's right, and the Great Patriotic War or the, the war against uh, uh, fascism. Now, one thing which is pretty impressive every time you watch this uh, parade is the, the sheer number of cameras and the choreography of this is right. is just magnificent. I mean, and, and anybody who hasn't seen it, you know, look at look at the link down here and and click on it. Uh, it it's on YouTube. Xinhua uh, covers it really really well. Uh, so you have to go to the Chinese to get good coverage of the Russian uh, military uh, parade. Um, with a lot of very good color commentary actually in there. But it's amazing. I mean, there are cameras in wheel wells. There are cameras on the nose of the airplane. There are cameras on the, on the you know, uh, droge on the refueling aircraft. Um, you know, aircraft are swooping around. Every once in a while, you see glimpses of, of, of Putin, you know, yucking it up with his, with his buddies on, on, the, on the front row. You know, is this, is this something new and different, or is this just a refinement of the standard Soviet model of, of covering these parades? As somebody who, as a kid, used to watch these parades uh, back, back in the Soviet Union? I'd say it's a refinement. Uh, this type of parade, as well as other 
major parades were definitely big pageantry. Uh, it marked one of the biggest holidays in the Soviet Union, and so there were always a lot of interesting camera work as these type of technologies or as other parades were shown. Now you have more cameras available, different cameras, they're miniaturized, you can have them at different angles. So this is definitely a refinement of what was actually taking place in the Soviet Union for decades. They've definitely taken parades to an art form. And, but, part, but it's very, very powerful strategic messaging, isn't it? Here's all this great equipment, we're showing it from all angles, and uh, you know things are, are bristling uh, or look squeaky clean. Right, exactly. Um, we shouldn't forget the fact that for newer technologies, for more expensive technologies, um, the jury's still out how many of them will be fielded and how they will be fielded, because that will depend on the Russian military budget and the state armaments program. So uh, we tend to assume that just because they're shown on a parade, they will be used in mass somewhere. Uh, that's not entirely the case. And so there are a lot of debates in Russia within its various ministries on how many of these systems can be built and to what extent. Sam, as always, thanks very much. It's always a pleasure seeing you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you.